Good morning, everyone. This is Jeffy Kennedy, author of Fantasy Romance and Romantic Fantasy. I'm here with my first cup of coffee. I'm so good. Today is Monday, December 13th. I should stop saying almost the end of 2021. I, I know I've been saying that like all the time, but it's amazing to me. 2021 is almost over. Um, here we are then. It's also the week that season two of The Witcher releases. Friday night, people. Friday night. I, I might as well talk about it right now. I was going to talk about it later. Um, had a lunch yesterday, brunch. It's funny, we call it brunch, but it was at one o'clock. So to me, it's still lunch. Although I did have a breakfasty food thing. So I had like an egg toast thing that was really good. Um, met up with friends Megan and Charlie at Opuntia uh, here in Santa Fe, which is down at the rail yard. And it was lovely. It's um, in sort of a warehouse kind of space. And it's up on the second floor and they have uh, one of Opuntia's brands is that they have all these plants. So they have a big fish pond inside with these plants around all sorts of succulents. Um, Opuntia itself is a native succulent in the Santa Fe area. Um, great big windows and it was a beautiful sunny day. And so they had um, the doors open to the balcony, uh, great views and uh, of course, excellent company. Um, very good to spend some time in my love bubble. And they brought up that um, they were talking about go afterwards going to go see The Power of the Dog um, by Jane Campion with Benedict Cumberbatch and Kristen Dunst. And I was like, wait, The Power of the Dog? I read that book. And they said, oh, it's not the same one. And I was like, are you sure? <laughs> And they said, yeah, this is Western. And I'm like, yeah, I read that book. Um, it was a big deal in um, Laramie when I lived there um, because Annie Prue had moved to Wyoming um, to the near the Laramie area. And she um, had sort of, I, I want to say rescued and it's probably the wrong, the wrong word, like resuscitated, revived. Anyway, this book, The Power of the Dog, was written by Thomas Savage in like 1967. And Annie Prue had um, resurrected it as a uh, quintessential Western and gave it a forward and they reprinted it. Nice to have that kind of literary power. And we all read it at the time. And I remember one of my very good friends at the time, uh, Rosemary London, who was also a writer, loved, loved, loved this book. And I really loved it too. Um, and the title comes from Psalms, which is um, Save My Soul from the Power of the Sword. Or let's see, Save My Soul from the Sword, My Darling from the Power of the Dog. And I always found that line amazingly moving. Um, old oral po poetry, right? Set down in the Bible. Paused there for a second. I had something in my eye. Uh, so I was thinking, uh, I was like, oh, you know, Jane Campion directing and Benedict Cumberbatch, Kirsten Dunst. I love all of that. You know, 
I read this book a long time ago, like probably whenever Annie Prue resurrected it. So probably 90s. And um, you know, it was funny having someone of the literary caliber of Annie Prue move to our remote area uh, where we did not have a lot of that sort of thing was was a big deal for us. And I had read her um, her Pulitzer Prize winning book whose name I can't recall and people putting the houses on sleds. Hmm. Anyway, um, you know, and so it was very interesting because I was a newbie writer at the time, baby writer and friends with other baby writers. And we were very excited to meet Annie Prue and to, you know, sort of have conversations with her and stuff. And you can she was such a freaking snob. Now I should check to see if she's still alive. Okay. So the book was the shipping news. She is still alive. She's 86 and it turns out we share a birthday. I may have known that. I also read her book postcards, but the shipping news she got Pulitzer Prize and National Book Award and all that. And, and I really liked that book. Um, and then of course she did this short story Brokeback Mountain, which she wrote when she lived, um, she lived outside of Laramie. Um, but even though I now know she's alive, um, I'm not, I should mind my manner somewhat, but I, I was taken aback. It was one of my first experiences with someone who was, uh, kind of a hero. I mean, she wasn't a huge, you know, like, like Mercedes Lackey and Rice and Rice died. Yeah. I should have um, mentioned that if you guys all saw that we could come back to Anne Rice. Um, you know, or Anne McCaffrey, somebody who I had a huge amount of emotional investment in, but still I had a great deal of admiration and, um, you know, and it was interesting because, um, Annie was exceptionally cantankerous, um, to the point of, of being outright rude to people. And, you know, and maybe she doesn't care. I mean, I always got that feeling that she was like, I don't have to be nice to people. And I understood that she had, you know, like dinners where she invited like some of the writing faculty, but she was very selective, like these people that she invited. And for a while I was like hoping that I would get invited to a dinner reader. I was not invited to dinner. Um, but then there were other people, um, like there was a writer, my age, a guy who was writing uh, kind of Western stuff and she kind of took him under her wing and, um, you know, he was her protege and everything. I was like, what, why does he get to be the protege? And I don't. So, um, I've mixed feelings. We were, my friend Rosemary and I, for a while, we were talking about putting together a collection of essays. And I mean, we were published at this point. I was published. Um, I think maybe my first book had come out. And, uh, yeah, my first book of essays had come out. I mean, I was published in literary fiction magazines. I mean, I had, you know, as far as tail sniffing goes, I, you know, didn't have a shitty tail. Uh, is that taking the analogy too far? It probably is. 
Um, but we had had this great idea because the, at the time there was this very popular essay collection out um, that was uh, called Leaning Against the Wind, uh, Western Women Telling Their Tales, something of the sort. I think I have a copy still. Um, we were really, I, I was in these, I don't know if it was like where I was or when I was, um, but there were a whole lot of us doing like creative nonfiction at the time, doing essays, uh, doing this sort of capturing the realism. It was before I moved into, I mean, I didn't even have stinky romance cooties at the time because I hadn't started writing romance or fantasy. Um, I was still writing creative nonfiction. I mean, I was like a guest at literary festivals and stuff. I was not stinky. So anyway, uh, Rosemary and I, um, as you can imagine, uh, for is true of many of my friends, uh, a lot of our interactions centered around hanging out at the bar where we would go and have drinks and talk. And we had decided that our essay collection would be called Leaning Against the Bar. It's not a great name. Uh, and we even had some essays collected for it. Uh, Tamara Lentz and Laramie, who I've now reconnected with, because which is interesting, isn't it? Um, she's uh, been involved in some of the conferences that I've been to, uh, like Flights of Foundry, and we talked online and stuff. But she had given us an essay for it, and uh, I'd even talked to a literary agent about it, because I had agents talking to me after my book came out, all of this. Um, so, I mean, for a while we were really working on it. And so I was at this reception and was talking with Annie Prue and a couple of my professors and other local writers. I mean, you know, it was a town of 26,000 people that was an hour away from any, from the next town. Um, and that was in good weather. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it would be like the same nucleus of people at all the, the stuff. We all knew each other. And so I was talking with them and I told Annie about this idea that we were putting it together. And I said, um, would you be willing to, to contribute something to it? And reader, she laughed in my face. She like barked out the most obnoxious laugh, like, I had asked her if she would strip naked and come clean my house kind of laugh. I mean, it was like, you absurd little worm, how dare you? And at the time, another friend of mine and I, uh, who was also a baby writer, we were, you know, we started keeping the list and now I can't find it, which I'm really sorry because she said we should really keep this list. Uh, but every time we would go to an event like this, we would be like, here's something else for our list of things that we will not do when we are famous writers. Um, and that was one. It was like, a, you know, she, she made me feel this big. And it was like, she could have, it's so easy. And I talk about this here a lot, I guess. You know, it's so easy to just say, oh, I wish I could. And I'm just slammed. I'm wall to wall. Um, but... So it goes. Anyway, so here we were with The Power of the Dog, which we'd all read. And uh, Megan and Charlie were talking about going to go see it. And I was looking it up to prove to them that it was the same as the book I'd read. And I, sa I said, oh, well, streaming on Netflix as of December 1st. And they said, yeah, yeah, you can watch it on Netflix. So when I got home um, and said to my darling husband, save my darling from The Power of the Dog, 
uh, I said, I want to see this movie. And he said, oh, I started watching that, but I didn't think you liked Westerns. And I was like, well, I don't, but. <laughs> so I finished decorating the Christmas tree. All my Christmas decorations are done. Uh, and <laughs> so we started watching it and um, wow. I don't know if I like, don't remember the book that well. I mean, it's Jane Campion, so it's of course beautifully done, but boy, is that a soul crushing movie. Um, and I mean, I guess they're doing a great job of building up that low level dread, which I don't recall being so palpable in the book. I remember that later on stuff starts to happen, but um, boy, it's really being telegraphed to the movie. And so it was funny because it was both, both. It was, this is where I go back and edit, right? And revise. It was, um, dread-inducing, tense, depressing, and we both fell asleep <laughs> watching it. So I don't know if we'll give it another try. Um, Benedict plays a, a good evil character. If you guys have watched it or if you read the book, I would be interested to know. I texted Megan and offered her my um, paper copy because I found it on my bookshelf and she had, she didn't reply. Um, probably she didn't get it, but it could be also like, no, I don't want to read your book. Um, Cause she didn't want to know anything about it. I totally get that. I, I do miss the days. I remember that there were a few times when I went to see movies where it was like the only movie showing at the time, you, you know, you, couldn't watch movies at home necessarily unless it was something that happened to come on TV. But, you know, sometimes we would go to the movie theater and just go randomly into a movie and you wouldn't know anything about it. And there was a certain freshness to that experience um, that I, I miss. I can't recall what, oh, it was Morris, the movie Morris. I went into it knowing nothing about it and I was glad that I knew nothing about it. Um, so anyway, um, yeah, Anne Rice, Anne Rice died on Saturday night and, uh, I woke up yesterday morning and saw Christopher Rice's post about it on his Instagram. She, um, died of complications of a stroke. I think it was very sudden because I know they were collaborating on several projects together. Um, yeah, very sorry to, to say goodbye to Anne Rice. And I mentioned it to my mom and said, uh, you know, because we both know that uh, Anne Rice is the same age as my mom and the women in my family all die of strokes. <laughs> but um, my mom uh, later came back and she said it, she said, it turns out that Anne Rice was much older than I am. She was five months older. And I was like, okay, well then, yeah. So we were wrong. She, you're not the same age. So, so yeah. Um, yeah. Anne Rice read, um, interview with the vampire when I was like 12 years old, when I was a member of the science fiction book club. Any of you do that where you, it was one of those deals and maybe this is obsolete now. I don't think they do it anymore. Uh, but you would be a member of the club and they would mail you like the book club picks each month, unless you told them not to. 
I don't remember how you would tell them not to because this is of course uh, children before the internet so I can't remember if you had to like mail and tell them. but I think they mailed it to you no matter what and you would get one to three books each month and if you didn't want them you would mail them back. I'm sure that was how it worked. Uh, you would have to mail them back and then if you didn't mail them back within like a week something like that you had a certain amount of time then they would bill you for it and because I was in my adolescent that meant that they would bill my mother for it and because I was an adolescent uh, a lot of times I would forget to mail them back uh, by the time that I was supposed to and my mother would be aggravated with me. But looking back mom I mean this was like one of my greatest vices one of my problematic activities was that even then I was acquiring books. So I think we can agree that this was just like early warning signs but also not that bad right. So <clears throat> um, interviewed with the vampire was one of those books uh, and I had it for a very long time and I'm supposed to let go of this uh, but I had a friend who went uh, into the Peace Corps in Papua New Guinea and she asked me to send her books and I sent her a bunch of books um, not realizing that we had a fundamental communication problem in that she thought that the books I sent her were to be sent out and passed along and <laughs> not that I wanted them back and that was one of them that was in there. So and then she sent me later three really beautiful masks huge masks from Papua New Guinea because I collect masks and um, although I don't have any of them hanging up anymore they're really huge and I'm not sure I ever loved the aesthetic when we moved to Santa Fe I didn't hang up a lot of my masks again. Um, but there's some I think you could see da -da -da -da. there's the see there's the kitty mask up there. We also have because I have the Christmas tree up here's the cat condo in my office for the time being temporary. So uh, so yeah I I had said something to her later about those books and she's like I sent you those masks and that was supposed to make up for that and you can't bring it up again. <laughs> I was like okay but I can tell you guys because I don't think she listens to this. So yeah farewell Dan Rice. Uh, I spent a lot of time talking about all of that stuff. Um, so yeah I mean my weekend was pretty good I got a lot of decorating done. Um, gray magic is coming along it's not steaming along I've got like 18,000 words on it. So it's getting into place um, generally I go faster once I get that first 25 percent done so hoping for that. Um, it was kind of a an up and down weekend because on Saturday I ended up having to take my husband to urgent care um, which was kind of distressing in that they wouldn't let me stay with him. It, it was a good and bad thing because of COVID right they you know wouldn't let me go in and so I had to drop him off and and it was funny because the gal's like you could wait at the Starbucks over there and I was like okay well because I brought my laptop and stuff and my book in case you know I thought we might be there well well I dropped him off at 2 and ended up picking him up at 745 and he was the one who said why don't you just go home because uh, I mean it's just 20 minutes away. So I guess in some ways it was better to be at home 
uh, taking care of stuff, finishing laundry and all of that, than like kicking my heels at the uh, urgent care center. But um, yeah, he's having um, GI issues. Uh, the Parkinson's medication creates a lot of acid, a lot of heartburn, and um, he was having swallowing problems. And we'd called his doctor's office and talked to the nurse, and she said, yeah, I think you should go to urgent care. So the good news is, is that nothing terrible is wrong, um, but we also don't have a solution yet. So more doctoring stuff this week. Whee! And we're just at this point hoping that he'll be well enough for us to travel for Christmas next week. We're supposed to go next Wednesday. So cross your fingers for me on that. And yeah, on that note, I'm going to go call some doctor's offices and get busy on gray magic. I'll remind you all that first cup of coffee is part of the Frolic Media Podcast Network. And you will find more podcasts that you love at frolic.media slash podcasts. And I will talk to you all tomorrow. Take care. Bye-bye.